I should, I should really start like checking that. <laughs> uh, we do a re- an intro for the review, right? It's just the other two we don't. We always ask the same question. Uh, we do like a soft intro. We we don't record a separate one. It's just <laughs> like a nonchalant one. I mean, since we're all here, do we want to? I mean, we we used to. Are you prepared to give a... Nah, 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 nah let's not. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah. Is it more work? <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, I'm still... I'm going to do something. I feel awkward just getting into it. Welcome, Tabletop Players. My name is Rune Ortega, and tonight... Uh, I'm having a critical conversation about the generic universal role-playing system by Steve Jackson Games. Uh, Joining with me, as always, is my co-host, Kate. Hi, I'm Kate. Oh, hi, I'm Kate. (laughs) (laughs) And our good friends, Jaden. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Jody. Hey, everyone. Well, uh, guys, we are here tonight to talk about GURPS. Interestingly enough, normally we do a pretty pretty somewhat structured review of things, walking through each individual portion that might be relevant to people. I'm throwing it all out the window uh, because <laughs> GURPS is a whole different beast. Um, yeah, I will give a little bit of an introduction to it, though, and then we'll jump into it. So a little bit of backstory here, straight from the Wikipedia. Uh, it is GURPS originally released uh, somewhere between 1985 uh, and 1986. There was both a first and a second edition. Um, third edition was released in 1988, only two years later. And then fourth edition, which is the current edition, was released in 2004. The retail price in Canadian is about $47 for the basic set uh, book. Of course, there are two components. There's also a game master guide, which is also around that $47. Uh, all together, you're looking at, I think it's about 700 pages between the two books. It's, it's quite hefty. Uh, and for $90, that's not too bad of a price. Uh, that's kind of it for the introduction. But if you don't know, uh, the generic universal role-playing system is all about creating your own tabletop game. Imagine that whatever game you wanted to play did not exist, and so you had every rule, and I mean absolutely every rule, at your disposal to create your own system, and that's what you have in front of you. Now, there are some dedicated slim down rules which have kind of taken what you need to do a fantasy to do a space travel to do even things like star trek more defined uh franchises and things like that um but realistically you have the entire world at your disposal which is why our review tonight is going to look a little bit differently but with that i'm going to open up the floor and let's just jump into this guys um how's our experience with gurps GURPS does a lot of things good, but not much great, is basically what mine boiled down to. Uh, I think in the effort to be a like catch-all role-playing system for everyone and everything that they want to run, um, it, it it just kind of, it, it does everything, but not better than some of the, like, the specific systems. It definitely has some, you know, some things that I like about it. Um, but I think as a whole, I would probably just like, if I know I want to run a space system, I would, 
go and get a different space system, like Starfinder or something like that. Yeah, I kind of am, I have a similar view of that. I think I would preface that this review of all reviews is probably the one where we've gotten the <coughs> least accurate view of like the whole power of this system in a certain sense. Like when we first did DCC and everyone's like, okay, but hey, you only tried like a, a like you got a little like you know just the very top layer of it. I feel like that is true of what we've done with this. This has so much. Like I think if you were a group of people who really knew what you were doing with this system. It could probably be more fulfilling, but I think it's a long journey till you get to that point. And I think that that's not also a very strong suit of any system is, hey, 30 sessions in, you'll finally be like where you need to be. I also feel tackling it with like a really focused like slice of the rules would be a little bit more forgiving than diving into like a cosmic adventure. Mm hmm. Yeah, even in, in my efforts to try to um, contain us a little bit, um, we uh, really went heavily on the fantasy adventure type rules and even some of the things that we were doing. Um, and that was because purely just trying to put the whole book in front of us was a little daunting. And I think you have to have a very specific idea of what you're trying to get out of the system to take full advantage of these rules. And I would absolutely agree with Jaden and echo the, the sentiments that like, we probably didn't do it justice, but I also think we got a good enough sense of it to know who this is designed for. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I've been joking all week that, um, you know, in the, in the era of tabletops that we are currently in, um, realistically think of what system you want to do wait two months that system will be out or at least on kickstarter um because everything is getting a tabletop system these days in the last week alone i've seen not only highlander but blade (laughs) runner and like a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of other things and if there isn't a full-on system it's an add-on like the wizard of oz one for dungeons and dragons you know like they they kind of exist yeah, or a close enough analog, right? You might not find Blade Runner, but, you know, a certain take on Cyberpunk and you're getting there anyways kind mm-hmm. of deal. Yeah, for less homebrew than you would have to do with GURPS anyways, right? Um, I think, like... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was going <laughs> to say, I would be curious to talk with a GM who runs GURPS, like, specifically as, like, their system... To just find out, like, how much of running a long-term GURPS game is picking which rules you're going to use and which ones you're not. <clears throat> because with all this, and, like, we did talk about, you know, the base set is 700 pages or something like that. There's also so many other books that you can get for this with extra ships and extra weapons and extra races and extra whatever. I'd be curious how much of it is going through and be like, you know what, we're going to use this handful of books, but we're going to ignore everything that's in these ones because it just it just isn't worth bogging us down with 20 books on the table at all times. Yeah, it kind of relates to what I was going to say too. I was just going to say that it this seems like a perfect system for somebody that just like knows they're going to homebrew 90% of it anyway and they just need like a decently generic rule set to put over top of it so they don't have to keep like making stuff up inside of another system the only thing i would say to that though is like when we think about a lot of homebrew 
it's working within a system that we're already playing. Like we're homebrewing our D and D we're homebrewing our call of Cthulhu. Make no mistake that this isn't a system that easily translates to other systems. Even trying to take things like I had made a random encounter chart, um, and a, uh, randomly generated map based in D and D and they didn't, transfer one-to-one to GURPS, I had to do either do math or honestly, I just winged it on the side and, you know, made it feel like it was a part of it. But um, the stats are so different that even though you might be doing the same thing, it's not being done mechanically the same. Um, in fact, Jody, I have you quoted in one of the sessions as saying, um, trying to stick to the 3D6 for everything leads it to more complication than it solves. And I wanted to ask you if you still believe that. 100%. <clears throat> I think that being so stuck on ha- like rolling the same dice for everything all the time means they had to get, s- they had to bend the rules around the dice instead of having different dice rolls to use in different situations and it led to wacky stuff like the shotgun rules and things like that where it's just like man they couldn't have just thrown in a couple of different dice or like done something to make it so the rules didn't have like certain rules not some of them were really simple but others because we're rolling the same three dice all the time it just like didn't work and same with weapons too um I found in damage, all like you could say this about other games too that like having the higher number of dice is better, but in this one because it's always d6 and it's generally like three or four, every weapon felt the same, and it's like well you might as well just find whatever one works at all ranges and does four d6, and it's like just use that. There's like functionally no difference. Yeah, I did find that in combat. um, Once you found which one was just doing the most damage. There was really no point to use another one. Like, I had a whole heroic deed that we homebrewed in, and I never used it because I had to use my axe, and my axe was significantly less beneficial than just a kick in the face. Just kicking them. (laughs) Yeah, like, um, which is cool. And, like, to speak to, like, the 3D6 thing, I do, I like that. I think that's also a point in the favor of, like, accessibility for people because everyone has a random box of Yahtzee somewhere in their house and can go and (laughs) steal some dice out of it. But like you grow up in a small town and like you're playing your first system, getting a full set of TTRPG dice is not always feasible. Like I know my small town, nowhere in town has them. I would have had to drive 45 minutes to buy dice, which now as someone who like pays my own gas, like, yeah, I'll order them on like, etsy or amazon or whatever uh and just wait but you know as a kid if i wanted to pick up this no i'd definitely go to the one that has less other materials that i need to buy but i agree i think it it while that kind of reasoning is very like noble and like is appreciative to people who are in those situations it doesn't necessarily lend itself to intuitive gameplay all the time and I well, don't think that that's the reason that they did it. I think it was an idea to slim it down to require only one thing. And they were so stuck on that one idea that they refused to change other parts of the game. Or they had to change other parts of the game instead of changing on that idea. 
I could see it going either way, considering when this game came out, like, not a whole lot of games were using D20s, right? So they were probably even less successful than they are now. I could see it going either way. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's probably a combo of that, a couple of other factors. And it might not have to be like, we have to do this idea, this is the way we're doing it. Like, it's still going to come to the same outcome of it not being a very good thing. But maybe they were, like, really passionately felt like this 3D6 system has, like, it's going to streamline the game or something. And so we need to make everything fit within that, which still leads to the (laughs) same complexity. It's all there. It just might not be, like, vindictive in the sense of, like, I will ruin my game to make this system be the system, right? Although, like I said, it still worked out to, yeah, where points where we had weird complexity where it didn't need to be that way. I think some of that does also come from the fact that we were, like, mixing a whole bunch of rules, which this system allows you to do. And it is a proof of where this generic universal concept is not maybe as universal as they want it to be. When you start mixing rifles and swords and magic and mechs and all of these other things, it does start to fall apart. Whereas if we were all using swords and shields, we might not have found the damage range being so different, but the system is built to do this or at least is it's an option. So it should work technically. So I had a thought about that. I was thinking about that between our last recording and tonight. And I, it occurred to me that there are systems that already do that. There are systems that are like that, like, um, you know, weird science kind of um, pulpy vibe that have swords and guns. And I felt like they translated better, but maybe we just didn't have quite the right stats apply. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe it's true that we were doing too much mix and match, but I also recognize that there are systems that do it. Like, Think about all the old school authors that we now have, you know, um, Mutant Crawl Classics for, or even some DCC modules have things like that. Um, and so it is being done. Doesn't D&D oh, yeah. even have some stuff? Like, maybe not in 5e, but I feel like there was, like, some gunslinger stuff that was, like, official content, not just homebrewed. I could be yeah. wrong, but I feel like there was some yeah. in, like, 3.5 oh. and 4e. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. They've always well, had, or usually have had some stuff like that. And I think that this is like another thing about this system that we can maybe even <coughs> dig into a bit of like, I think part of that, why that works in these other systems is because like, they just, they make those rules make sense in within the rules that they already have. So like a, sh- a you know, a rifle in D and D still does damage in line with what other weapons do. It might have, you know, if it does do a big damage, then it usually has like a reload or some downfall yeah. to it. And they kind of balance it within the function of this. Whereas it felt like, with some of these rules, they're just like, oh, for shotguns, I will talk about shotguns probably a few other times because it is a crazy rule that sucks. <laughs> but they wanted shotguns to feel like shotguns, and so they figured, let's make a rule that makes like you actually roll like kind of how a shotgun works, how many pellets it's going to hit, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas me, I'd be like, if I had a shotgun in a game, I'd maybe give it extra damage, but it's got a short range or something, right? And so yeah. that's how you show that pellets are hitting less as yeah. you get further away, right? So it's just more of a disadvantage in the sense of your numbers that you're hitting for, or you like, you know, just with any system has range rules, which this one has, I would have just gave it short ranges and then had to do damage just like the rifles. Because at the end of the day, does that, do I feel that different knowing that I hit with six pellets versus me just hitting for a good damage? Cause it's a shotgun and should hit for four dice anyways, kind of deal. Well, and Jordan, or uh, it's Jordan, <laughs> Jaden, <laughs> um, Jody kind of mentioned before, you know, like how, 
shotguns were crazy and his idea mm-hmm. of the 3d6 not really working out you and i went round and round about shotguns and how they worked and we finally kind of found a website that explained it well enough and then we were like it's too complicated let's go with a single shot rifle just because it is easier like do you feel like that's a limitation of the system trying to do too much or do you think that that's just like like the real the realism of it is actually good and it's on us for not understanding it I think it's probably just for each different group of people, right? Like, I'm here to have a lot more fun than I am to be, like, beholden to, like, a hard set of rules, where some people, their fun is in understanding the rule <laughs> set and using it accordingly. Like, I think it sounds really cool, and if you hit it really well, you'll do a ton of damage. And so there is some upside to their attempt at realism, but I think that by the time I've sifted through all that realism and I've had to have a 30-minute discussion on how to shoot my shotgun... I'm just over it. Like, I don't have eight hours to discuss tabletop every time I want to understand a rule. I'd like to get into things and get going. And so a simpler rule set or, you know, maybe not like having rules that we understand, but it doesn't need to follow the reality of the world we live in can be a pretty good thing, in my opinion. It almost feels like it needs two different sets of rules, like a light rules one if you're playing something that's not based in realism, like. I don't know, going and fighting a god. Um, But then, like, this set of rules, if you're doing something that is, like, a gritty, realistic system where, like, you need to Mm -hmm. manage, you know, exactly how many bullets did you load into your revolver? Or have you eaten today? What's your exhaustion like? Like, those kinds of survival games do exist. And there are systems that Mm -hmm. do it, probably better than GURPS does it. Um, But, (laughs) uh, you know, it, it seems like... They have some things that follow one set of rules and then some things that follow a different kind of rules mindset. Because, like, for kicking, I just walk up and boot a guy and I roll my damage and th- that that's it. I don't have to worry about, like, where I hit them or what mm-hmm. type of kick I'm doing. or Like, it, it seems like some things had different philosophies of game design than other things did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and a like- pretty military sim the shotgun rules would be cool because I would be like scared of like, if I get hit with less pellets, that'll be good for my character. And so I want Mm -hmm. that because, you know, that's less bandages we have to use and I won't bleed out in this, you know, backwater war or something like that. So like in that game, it could be really cool to have that rule. But yeah, when we're trying to, like you said, in our game where you're rolling and just doing a quick kick and doing damage, I'd rather just roll a rifle and do a quick kick. So we don't have to spend three minutes on my turn and only one on your guys's. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways they're leaving it up to the person running the game to like pick the rules they're going to use to that point about like whether we need all the survival rules and some of like the nitty gritty things. It's like there's so many things presented in the system. It's almost impossible to use all of them at once. So it's almost like taken for granted that you're going to like just use the ones that you think fit to the game you're playing. But then finding all those rules is like a nightmare. I could, here's one thing I'll say quickly. I could not imagine playing this game without a searchable PDF. Like, (laughs) I could not imagine having to, like, go through all those books. Like, oh, what page was this obscure rule on again? Your book would look like the Sears catalog in December. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it would. So, uh, let's focus back into, like, we understand the system's complex. We understand that there's things to to choose and sometimes too many options. But, like, let's pretend we were given the ideal subset of rules and we, we understood it. What is the actual flow of gameplay like on a mechanical level? You know, like, 
we have the idea that like it's one action per turn and things like that. Uh, Kate? So, yeah, I was going to mention this back when we were talking about, like, you know, I just want something quick and I can do my turn and whatever. Did anybody else find the pacing of combat kind of weird? Like, only having one action made it go, snap like, quick and fast, but it still felt, like, boring and sluggish, even <laughs> though we were going really quickly. Like, it was really jarring for me, and maybe it's because by the time we rolled around to co- combat, I was, you know, knee-deep in COVID, and it just, like, I was seeing things <laughs> no. at a different speed than my body was experiencing them. Who knows? Uh, but it just felt strange usually quick turns in combat make everything feel like more exciting and like you're really invested in everything this just didn't do that for me and i don't i can't put my finger on why i i definitely feel the same way um and i was kind of excited for combat because the actual like written rules for combat there's like tons there's like tons of maneuvers tons of like there's tons of stuff that you could like mechanically game out. But then when we got to the actual combat, the most effective thing to do every turn was just to use your highest damage attack, basic attack, no fancy maneuvers or anything. Cause they all have like minus six penalties and like huge, like prerequisites or like time, uh, time expenditures. So they took multiple turns. It was just so much more effective to just like, yeah, kick everything or just shoot it with a magnum. Just like, yeah, roll. Okay. Done. Roll. Yeah, next. Roll. Okay, cool. I will jump in and say the obvious there, that part of that is um, the scenario we're playing, right? Like, part of that is the combat you were given. I um, don't... Didn't necessarily leave time to insert other things. I I would disagree there, because I would say from a fundamental mechanical standpoint, uh, DCC made combat with a weapon really fun, just rules as written, you know? You could be descriptive and cinematic and the game like helped you do it instead of, oh, you want to do something fancy minus 60 or roll for like literally everything. And like it gave you extra benefits for doing the fancy stuff. Whereas in here it was like the most effective thing you could do every turn was just attack. I don't really think the scenario was at fault, you know? Yeah, I think I agree with Jody. Like, we've played a lot of systems in this kind of similar format where, like, we have a a soft time limit that we need to stick to. Uh, Our scenarios are structured very similarly, like, episodically. We know it's going to be four, get to the big baddie, we're going to fight the big baddie, and then we're done. Um, And none of the other systems have felt this sluggish and, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it even, because again, like on paper, yeah. it seems like it should be like fast paced and exciting and you're getting lots of things done. And even if you have to wait a turn to do the really cool thing, it's coming back to you really quickly. But none, this system just didn't, it wasn't exciting combat. And I feel like even the systems that we've played that I didn't enjoy, things have felt exciting during those like big combat moments. Yeah. I can. I think I can see where you guys are coming from on that. I think part of it is also because the combat is like really GM facing. I would say like it seems like it wants a lot of the work to be done by that, and all you're doing is your very one like thing. Like they don't even give you in the player side of the basic rules um, anything about combat other than like five pages or it's a couple more pages. But it's like here's like the rules you need to know about combat, and then when you go into the GM side of it about combat, it's like here's 80 pages about how combat goes. So, like, I think they overly simplified it on the player side to the point of which 
it's lost enough depth to be enjoyable in the sense of like, I'm actually making notable decisions on my end. Like you guys are saying, it's what's the most damage or what gives me a really interesting benefit of like, like I used my spell of rooted feet a few times Mm -hmm. where it seemed useful. But outside of that, yeah, I was just picking my most damaging spell and casting it away too. Right. Cause I think we didn't get enough to chew on, on our side. There is that beauty of speed being really good, but if you go so fast that you've lost a lot of like, you know, substance you it's just probably not very satisfying on our end and so i I think that's where the sluggish side was it wasn't that it wasn't going fast like you said it's going fast Mm -hmm. but it was just not fun to go through it fast to you know bounce off of your guys's ideas i actually would agree with this point um running the boss and the minions in my head i had this great idea for what that combat was going to be like and then mechanically, because I was down to one action per turn, I couldn't justify him moving away to do something cool because he could only move. And then the next turn he could only... And then, you know, like Kate said, we're trying to stick to a timeline. Well, if I move away from you guys, then now all of a sudden you have to move towards him and that's your turn. And like, sure, we could all say like, great, we all just take a turn to move, but that's not very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, yeah. and I, I don't think it was anything, like, narratively that made it slow down. Because, like, I know I've run combats in my home game <clears> where, like, <throat> the reason that combat sucked was because <laughs> of me. Like, it just was not fun. Uh, but this didn't feel like it was narrative. Like, it felt like there was just something off mechanically. And, again, like, I don't understand exactly why. Because usually fast turns equals exciting combat. And, yeah. Yeah. I th- I'm glad thing- everyone feels this way. Yeah, after I the, thought I was after going after crazy. Ga- like- <laughs> yeah, after our session, I felt like a little like unsatisfied, and that's kind of the first one where I felt like in that way, where I was like, like we played tabletop, but I don't really feel like I walked away from playing tabletop in the way that I at least enjoy playing tabletop. Like it was good. I'm sure there's this, like anything. This system is perfect for someone, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't need to play it anymore to be certain that it's not a system that I'm overly interested in. Yeah, and I, I feel relieved. You go, you go first, I'll go after. I was just going to say, I feel relieved as the game master knowing that you guys felt that way, because I was also underwhelmed, and I was like, well, obviously I designed that wrong, but like thinking back, I had lots of like action-y stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, there was good story. There was, like, I mean, yeah, it was as fun as anything I've like had any reason to interact with from a story standpoint is, you know, like a good session. Yeah, I'm sorry, just, I won't say it was mind blowing, but I don't think no, that like hey, you no, no, were no. expecting that. I'm also, I'm also, right? like, I'm also not good, looking for praise. What we needed, um, it was no dad but it is, lands. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking for praise, but I am. Yeah. I am feeling um, affirmed that like the mechanics that like kind of threw it out to whack, and that's how I also mm-hmm. felt. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I could have just done something better. But like you guys are saying that even you couldn't have done anything better with your characters to kind of amp it up. Mm-hmm. we keep coming back to this a similar point here where it's like i feel the combat would be so much more immersive if you were playing in the like gritty use every rule and the person running it knows it all by heart and it like is fast and complex at the same time you know we're like we haven't played it enough to be remotely at that point Mm -hmm. But I could see, because there's a lot of, like, 
nitty gritty ruling about like hitting certain places, what happens when you hit certain places, the penalties for hitting certain places. The armor rule sets is honestly, I think the best I've seen armor tried to be represented in a tabletop game, but it is really complicated because there's all these little like uh, the like PI plus little designators for attacks and stuff like that. It interacts with armor in a really cool way. Like attacks can do certain types of damage or more or less damage depending on the armor they're wearing. And there's like weak spot rules and there's like, there's so much to it, but like to run every single one of those rules would turn that one second combat round into like quite a ordeal sometimes. So well, like, and not to mention that damn. you would then need a DM and a party who would be willing to put in all the time and effort into learning every nitty gritty rule, or to play with only some of the rules, which makes the game less satisfying, and gradually yeah. learn them over time. I don't think you're going to find people that are going to do that nine times out of ten. I think most people are going to be like, "No, this sucks. I'm not willing to wait until it gets good." That's why yeah. I say we keep coming back to this similar point of like this game would be most fun to be played with a GM that's been running it forever and just like knows it. And you can just roll up as a player and all you have to do is like roll dice and they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You touched upon the armor there and um, I had to chuckle because we also went round and round about armor because Cade uh, in the meta narrative have, had taken a set of armor from Starfinder and we were trying to convert it from Starfinder over to GURPS. And I got down an internet rabbit hole about <laughs> how games based in 3.5 D&D um, do not have a damage resistance stat like in GURPS. So they have an AC, which is either you hit or you do not hit. They do not have an independent armor value, which is because you're wearing this armor, you uh, reduce damage by so much. And so trying to find uh, a conversion didn't work. And there are multiple threads all over the internet about people debating whether they should add in damage resistance or not to D&D. And essentially it got down to people agreeing that like in the way that it was written it it was not compatible and i thought that was very interesting what i meant by the best like attempt at representing armor was um like taking into account the physical material of it and the different properties of it like they had different rules for soft armor hard armor flexible armor like partial coverage armor like so much different stuff that like I'd almost say that the thing I would use this system for is to just rob it of their specific rules to translate to other systems. Like when you want, when you like need a unique rule for a situation that doesn't come up in other ones, it's like, see how GURPS did it and just like copy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well, um, you know what? At this point, I'm looking at my mug. And it's getting a little empty. So I think we need to take a refill. Uh, And the refill today is going to be brought to us by our uh, premium blend patrons over on Patreon, which would be uh, Ravencroft Guitars, Silver Valentine, and Affy the DM. So thank you so much for the coffee beans. We'll be right back. This is Dungeon Master Rick here with Hammer of the Gods. Do you enjoy socially awkward bards? I pull up 50 gold and I put it in the guard's hand and say, 
Can I go see the snakes now? Dungeons and Dragons and mildly inappropriate humor. Haha, <laughs> looks like Daniel's our new DM. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> Did you just call me daddy? I've been in here for 10 seconds and we're already jumping straight to daddy. All right. And epic fantasy combined with alternate history and a splash of Greek and other ancient mythologies thrown in for flavor. Why do the other Olympians avoid Dionysus? Yeah, I don't know why. Because all he does is whine. <laughs> Ooh, I, I'm praying to daddy here. Yeah, so then you'll love Hammer of the Gods. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really enjoy our show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hampod. That's H-A-M-M-P-O-D. Hey, Table Hub players. It's Ruin here. We're just taking a quick coffee refill. And as we do that, we wanted to talk to you about some of the exciting possibilities that we have here in the Natural 20 Cafe. Join with me to do that is my co-host, Cade. Hey. I'm still Cade from the beginning and now. Uh, We have some really awesome things that we would love for you to be aware of. First of all, we have our Patreon. If you like the show and would like to support us more while getting some extra goodies along the way, please consider checking us out on Patreon at Cantrips and Coffee. Uh, For a couple of bucks, you can support us while also getting some amazing bonuses like our exclusive Discord, some extra special side podcasts that aren't released anywhere else, as well as uncut episodes of this show show you're listening to right now we're even funnier if you don't filter us you can also join us on all forms of social media we are most active on instagram and tiktok and uh yeah we like to think we're funny and post funny things there and so uh join in on the conversation and who knows maybe look forward to a contest or something that we throw at you once in a while but uh with that i think those beans are being done brewing and we're gonna get back into the episode all right, well, well, you're back and highly caffeinated. All right, guys, let's move into, I think we just got a good taste of combat there. So why don't we talk about outside of combat? What are our skill checks like? Um, we've been talking about how everything is a 3D6 system, except for, you know, damage modifiers. Um, but on top of that, of course, you have uh, bonuses and um penalties in the form of like if you have a skill it might give you like a plus two or a plus three to your role um or if you have a a, you don't have a skill you might have to still use that skill at a negative um i think we talked it could be as high as negative six in some cases um so when it came to doing things outside of combat like regular skill checks what did you guys think of it uh it felt like there was a lot of things that (laughs) with like your advantages and your skills and disadvantages stuff um that would affect it but not in ways that are necessarily like set in stone it's not like a proficiency to use like D&D um but like hey for example one of mine was like if you if your character feels like they're going to fail you get a penalty to whatever check you're making and it's just very like nebulous with that which made it interesting, but also made it very easy to forget about those things because it's not just a mm-hmm. flat, like, in this situation, you do this, right? It seemed like it encouraged a lot of conversation between you and the GM, which is nice, but it seemed like it, when you had as many as we did, it made it really easy to forget about some things and some skills just, like, never got used. Well, and to add on to that, there were so many that was, like, the GM can decide on this. And I was like, yeah. I don't have time to remember that. <laughs> like I straight up said to you guys like, okay, well you need to remind me that I need to do something with that. Cause I will never remember that, which could be, I'll throw it out there. 
just so that we don't get any hate on it, of I understand that that is a me issue. And if I was playing a GURPS campaign, I would take the time to remember those things or attempt to. I feel like it's 50-50 because it is legitimately a lot of stuff on my, like a player's character sheet just saying, like, the the GM will keep track of this. Like, mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. I, like, I, I just put it 50-50. Yeah, it's another example of what I said. Like the system is very GM facing it. Like it puts a lot on the GM, which I think is a very old school view of GMing. Which, if people like to play that way, power to them. I like to push a lot of my roles off onto my players. Anything that is on your character sheet, as far as I'm concerned, that's on you. So this system is probably I'd be terrible for like a a hardcore vet to run this system. They'd hate me. I bet you. Well, and to that point, Jaden, so we looked at 4th edition. It's been around since 2004. We know, or I shouldn't say we know, there are a lot of people pointing uh, to the history of tabletop games and suggesting that essentially right after this was published is when the great transition of what role-playing in tabletop games was and the importance of it. And I think Mm -hmm. part of that was taking all the focus off the GM and sharing the focus. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely a big part of it. Um, but back onto the skill side of stuff. If you ever looked at a system and thought, man, there's not enough skills. I, I like, I don't know what to do. Like, does I want to do this? Does it fit into like the 20 skills we're given? And you're like, uh, it kind of fits this one. This is the system for you because there's everything broken down to the point of specificities in like your science. So if you take biology, it doesn't just say, Hey, you get biology. It's like, no, you take microbio or you take xenobiology or you take zoology and all this stuff. I'm like, that's crazy that like I might have biology abilities and I might not even be able to roll because they're like, nah, that ain't your specialty boy. That's crazy. That's too many. There's so many ways to do skills and skill checks. Like there's advantages disadvantages skills and traits there's magic there's psionics like there's everything and And that's only in the core book alone yeah and there's even the option to just like spend all of your level points on attributes and just be like superhuman and you never have to take a skill point you could just roll dex minus four or whatever on everything and if you had like 25 dex it wouldn't matter I love that idea as a character dumping all of your points into their attributes and it doesn't matter what disadvantages I take. Yeah. I'm already rolling at 24 anyways. <laughs> so there's like, um, you know, a lot of times when we're playing, I'll be like, well, what skill would you use in this situation? Because I want you guys to like role play your characters and, and be creative. In this situation, I said it purely because there were so many options. I didn't know what to suggest to you outside of a straight attribute check which i didn't feel like was fun to just suggest that role every time i feel like not having skill points as a separate like resource during character creation kind of it it limited my desire to invest in skills in the first place um and like if i was going to run a gurps game i probably would give players skill points like take some of their points away like and maybe give them more points than i would have taken away in skill points just to like get them into play you know cuz when i looked at the 200 points i was like man i could invest this into other stuff that isn't specific that would just benefit all the time so i just like didn't really invest in many skills except like my axe and fast drawing the axe mm-hmm. Well, and let's dive into this. We, we, there's a, a pretty big crossover here. So 
I think we can all safely say, even though I didn't create a character, was character creation our favorite part of GURPS? For me, like, I, I don't know if like favorite part's the right way to say it, but I did enjoy. Okay, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I misinterpreted this. Maybe mm. uh, it wasn't as popular as I thought it was. Uh, why don't you guys speak to character creation, which we know is 100% point-based. So there are recommendations for starting values and stats, but whether you're doing <clears throat> an attribute or a uh, skill or anything else, it's all based on points given by a GM and the level of, should we say, um, fantasy or abilities within the game are dependent on how many skill points you are given by the GM. So um, running around 200 points, you're at what's called the heroic level, but you can be like the feeble level, which I believe is 25 points or less. Um, so I guess uh, just open it up. What do you guys think about character creation? Because uh, it doesn't sound like it was all that positive. I think the possibility of it is like really cool. I love the idea of like, because everyone who comes to a lot of other games is like, I want to make this character in this game. How do I either skirt around the rules or kind of break the rules or hack the rules so I can make this character? But you could probably make any character you could ever want. Like if you want Bat, you're like, what would Batman and GURPS look like? It would look like Batman. Maybe with some rules that we don't fully understand, but it would you could have every one of his abilities. You can probably find every one of his tools and gadgets or something that's a close enough analog. So like I, I, I really appreciate that concept of allowing people to build anything. But when you're actually building it, man, my brain hurt after building. Like I was just trying to read through it all and find where I want and what I would want. And then then I was like I'd spent a bunch of points. I'm like, oh crap, I'm actually gonna drop that skill because it seemed like a cool idea when I was making myself as a character, but I'm not going to make biology roles. So I dropped my biology and I went and bought things elsewhere, right? Like after all is said and done, you probably want to do a lot of shifting afterwards just to make sure that your points are really allocated, which is definitely the most intensive character creation I've ever done by a large margin. Yeah. Like I, I really like how customizable it is. And I think that that kind of lends itself well to being the, you know, the system that you're going to turn to if you want to play whatever niche in-universe thing you want to do, right? Like, if you are, like, really gung-ho that, like, you want to play Chuck the TTRPG, if you're, like, a real big <laughs> fan of the show Chuck, which, like, I love the show, but if you wanted to do that, you could make any character from that show in GURPS pretty much exactly the way that they are, and you'd be good to go. When you go in as kind of a blank slate trying to make just a character, I think that it's super overwhelming to have that many options. Um, mm. Even for us, like, I went in trying to make me, and that was weirdly introspective and overwhelming, and I know me better than anybody knows me. Uh, I should have been able to just be like, yep, it's this, 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 and this, done. Um, but it was it was a lot. Um and I think mm -hmm. that just the, I can't remember the term for it, but being like frozen by having too many options is definitely something that you run into with this. But yeah, like I said, it's, it's cool to be able to make whatever you want. Like if you want to go in and like, I'm going to be Goku, you could do that. Like no mm -hmm. problem, uh, which is interesting. Go If you made Goku, you'd roll 4d6 for your skill checks. At least. <laughs> yeah. At least. 
plus one for I... every extra session it takes to finish a combat. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked character creation. I like point by character creation a lot. So to have the whole thing up for grabs in point by, I thought was mm-hmm. cool. Um, the one thing I didn't like, like I said earlier, was not having separate skill points. Um, but also, like, in the, the GURPS for Dummies book that I read a little bit in, it talked about in character creation that their, like, metagaming tactic was just to buy attributes early and then figure out what kind of adventure you're doing and buy your skills with points that you get along the way. And I was like, okay, I can see that being cool as as sort of a metagamer myself. Like, I kind of like that as an upgrade path. Um, I, I really, the whole time I was making a character... I was like, man, I think this would be a really cool system to make like a heroic dungeon crawler in like just the, the standard heroic fighter, two handed sword, like in a magic world where you could have like, um, the GM give like different, like free points. You know what I mean? Like if you're starting as sort of like heroes or maybe you don't start as heroes, maybe after the first adventure or something, you could get like a, the blessing of a God for like 50 extra points to spend on like magical abilities or something like that. I like the upgrade system and stuff like that. Um, I just didn't really love creating like the, a generic, like basically like in like an NP, we were NPC characters in like D and D, you know what I mean? We weren't like fighters or paladins or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think there there is something to be said about the streamline is what makes this system a lot better. Like having a really narrow focused idea of what you're trying to do. When I was planning and I was pulling things out of the GURPS Fantasy Adventure 1 module, like there was a lot of really good stuff in that. The monsters were cool. They were very straightforward, had lots of lore written on them. They're official supplements too. Um, and I even think like they had character creation, like archetypes and things like that. And they seemed like they were really, really cool. Um, I do think that that is the strength is having somebody with a clear vision of what they're trying to accomplish and then actually going through with that process. Yeah. And also specifically, I I thought disadvantages and advantages was a really like nice mechanic. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we, we kind of glossed over some, especially because like I picked some of mine almost as like a, like a joke making fun of myself, but like, uh, the old Fallout games always had that like yep. disadvantages and advantages mm-hmm. system, and I remember always being like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Like just a different way to like alter your playthrough every time. And there, it does appear to be like one of the more unique um, mechanics of GURPS is the advantages and disadvantages, at least in terms of tabletop. Um, yeah. There are, you know, there are systems that'll do like. Uh, here's that one disadvantage that your character has. Like you're always unlucky is I think comes from Zweihander or maybe it was even TCC, but you don't have like a full list of disadvantages. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's kind of neat. Yeah. I think it lends to the, what I think is the real strength of this character creation, which is from a player standpoint, this is where you get to really (laughs) like have it. Like this is where it's really player facing. I get to like get all the storytelling I want through my character at like possible. Like, when I make when I think about my backstory and I want to give myself stuff from my backstory, this lets me give myself stuff from my backstory, but limit it from like the me still being like I had a kingdom of 
you know, ships that I sailed and therefore I come with a million men that follow me or something, right? Like, it lets you make a character with a past potentially and have some cool, interesting, you know, background or other things about your character and, and manifest them in the gameplay. Or, like we said with the disadvantages and advantages, you can make a lot of things that even a lot of games don't have rules for. Like, it, like if you want to be in a wheelchair, this has rules for that. Or pretty much any disability or, you know, any struggle that someone might find. So if you want to find yourself in the game that's a really <laughs> inclusive part of this game which came from way back when that they probably had since the start of it which is kind of cool in its own you know interesting twist for a very old school game to be like yeah if you want to have something that a lot of people be like well why would you want that it's like who you don't have to have a reason for wanting it whatever your reason is is good let's just give it to you because you want to play the game the way you want to play it all right, guys. Well, I think it's time to close up this review. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't quite as clear of a path as we normally do, but I think we got some really good feedback on this. So I'm going to take this back to our final question, which is, in your opinion, who is this for? Who is GURPS designed for and who should be buying and playing it? I think GURPS is designed for GMs who want to make really, really awesome campaigns that are like actually professional quality. But, like, nobody is ever going to play because nobody wants to play GURPS. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little bit sarcastic. But, honestly, I do think that if if I was going to buy this, it would be because I love homebrewing campaigns. And I could actually see wanting to use it for that. Like, you have everything at your disposal, every rule you could possibly want. So, if you wanted to make something, it's consistent. It's all the same rule set. You don't have to transpose things from other systems. It's all there. You just have to find it. I really think that this is like a exactly what Jaden said, like a GM heavy GM made system. I think this is for people that are big fans of something that is too obscure to get its own tabletop role playing system. Uh, and they really want to do their own homebrew in that system. Um, beyond that, I, I got nothing. Uh, (laughs) like I said, I think that this system does a lot of things really good, but I don't think it does anything great. Um, I don't think that it does any one thing better than another system out there does it. So if you're really indecisive, maybe, and you don't want to buy multiple systems, maybe that, but even then... I feel like just like the time put into learning all of the different rules and different things that you can actually get out of it to actually get the the bang for your buck out of GURPS is going to be so much work that I think it would just be better for most people to just buy the system that more closely fits what you're trying to run. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Like, uh, but on the more so on the like the indecisive side being who this is like really for. Um, I think that it would take just as much time if you were that indecisive person where you were like, I want to run a different game each. You know, like we're gonna run for a couple of months, and I'm gonna run a whole different game. Like first we're running western. I'm done with westerns. Now we're sci-fi. I'm done with sci-fi. Now we're doing sci-fantasy. Now I'm done with that, and I'm moving on to the next one. And the next one. You would spend just as much time learning new systems as you would be grabbing two or three books out of GURPS. So like this would be that's the only person I could recommend this system for is someone who never wants to tell the same story in the same genre again. You're just gonna keep moving on because you want to experience everything. You love comic books. You love 
you know, anime, you love video games of all genres, you there's not a movie you didn't enjoy seeing and you want to emulate every one of those things at least once, this is the system for you. Like, it's a super powerful toolbox to make anything you want in it. But, yeah, unless you want to make a thousand different things, go find a toolbox that has the specific tools you want in it because you'll have a way better time overall, I think. This is only for the person that wants to do everything and never have to like make an actual rule themselves for it, which I don't think there are a lot of people out there that this would actually fall into that category. I also feel like modern TTRPGs have a lot more crossover than maybe they did when GURPS was first made. Like, I feel like it's a lot easier to take something from cyberpunk and put it into I don't know, Zweihander or whatever. Like, that would be an extreme example. But I feel like they're so much... Because there's at least, like, a universal language and, like, game design and feel to these things now that it's a lot easier to have multiple toolboxes and combine with Mm -hmm. rather than having one gigantic bottomless toolbox of holding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this game is definitely written in old RPG. Ye old RPG. I tend to agree with a lot of what you guys have said, um, especially in terms of, you know, what your game master would look like for this. It really is somebody who wants to control every element and uh, including, I mean, it has rules for creating new rules. Um, <laughs> in terms of players, I think it could work for brand new <clears throat> players who had a GM who was willing to streamline the rules and say, here, here's the subset that you need to know. You just need 3D6, roll these things. I actually think that is in its benefit. Um, but if you gave them the entire rule book and said, go to town, it's not it's not going to work out. They're probably never going to look at a tabletop game again uh, because it's too much. But if you had a very specific idea and people who hadn't played before, teaching them how to use 3D6 and whether it's a success or a failure is actually pretty straightforward. Um, mm-hmm. that being said, uh, that's our thoughts on GURPS. If you have anything, uh, that you want to comment down or maybe some disagreements or agreeances, uh, make sure you email us or contact us through our social media. Uh, if you like this episode, you can thank our patrons such as Artemis and Kayla L, uh, because they helped, uh, fund the little extras that we get to do on this show. And if you are interested in backing us and supporting us on Patreon, uh, please go to patreon.com and look up, uh, cantrips and coffee, whereas as little as $4 a month, you can shoot us a couple extra bucks so that we can keep providing great content. But with that, I'm out of coffee and that means it's time to run. Mm-hmm.